Hi everyone, I'm Lucas Mack and welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people, nothing less. Today, I'm going to talk about the most personal aspect of my life. And I have been having this message reside in the depths of my soul for quite a while. And quite frankly, I was afraid to share this message. I was afraid because of the backlash, the guilt, the attacks. I was afraid because of the judgment of others. But in that fear, I kept myself shackled in shame, shackled in a prison that I no longer want to live in. And I know because I have talked to countless people, they no longer want to live in this prison as well. This podcast is the story of why I left Christianity. Let me first define some words. Words that must be distinctly defined in order for clarity of communication. First of all, Christianity, the process of being a Christian. And Christian is being like Christ. And what does the word Christ mean? Christos in the Greek, Mashiach in Hebrew, Messiah. What does Messiah mean? What does Mashiach mean? It means deliverer. 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 A Christian is someone who delivers others, a liberator of others, a liberator of souls. It isn't a religion. It isn't a path of form and function. It is simply a result of healed souls that go out and no longer impose the same judgment, threat, intimidation, confusion upon another soul, but simply show unconditional love for another soul to feel free and safe enough to share the truth of their pain in order for that to utter out of their mouth and them to experience freedom, pure freedom and unconditional love for the very first time in their life. That is the true definition of what being a Christian is. Being a Christian is not saying uh-huh, uh-huh to a couple points that were made up that don't even exist in the text that is purported to be the basis of all beliefs. Being a Christian is liberating souls. And I used to be the opposite of a soul liberator. I used to be, I grew up in a Christian household with Jewish background and Catholic background up my ancestry. And I went into, I grew up in an evangelical church and confronted with the Catholicism and evangelicalism and Judaism, and Messianic Judaism, and all the isms out there, I was so confused. And 
while I was confused, I was abused in the house. I couldn't bathe my children nor be around them for the first five years of their lives. I had three kids and I couldn't even be around them for what happened to me. But as soon as we left the house, everything had to look perfect. Everything had to be sunshine and rainbows and smiles. And if I didn't perform to the expectation to make my family look good, it only was worse. And eventually, when you live in that condition, and I'm speaking to many of you who are living in that condition now, when you live in the, th- the threat of intimidation, fear, and violence, you eventually drift away. Your innocence, your consciousness, your articulation, your ability to really perceive that which is good from that which is not good, you start to drift away and you live in a false reality. And I don't know how many of you right now are living in a false reality, but you can look at the world around you, the world that you live in, the world you're creating with your beliefs and the words that you speak inside your head and outside your mouth as the true results of who you be in the world. Are you free? It's not about not having fear. Every person on planet earth, it's the fearless person who's the dangerous person. The highest award that our government gives soldiers in the battlefield is not for being fearless. It is the medal of honor. And that is for showing courage in the battlefield. That is saying, I acknowledge that I am afraid, yet I step through that fear anyway. I believe that God calls every person on planet earth to be courage, courageous, to experience courage and show forth courage every day. That's why he says, fear him is the beginning of wisdom. To fear God is the beginning of wisdom. And the greatest commandment is to love him. You see, when you acknowledge fear and step through that fear is when you experience the greatest immense presence of God's love for you. But when people operate out of fear and operate from fear, it only creates more fear and intimidation and confusion and guilt and shame to the point where words become weapons. Words become weapons Children learn very early on, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That is the greatest lie that has ever been uttered out of a mouth on planet earth. For words are what God used to create and words are what he's given us to create as well. We are co-creating every single day our existence by the words we utter. The very first gospel book written, handwritten, was written in the 80s, 83 AD, Mark, about a man that literally no one knows his life except three years of documentation, 50 years after he supposedly died, 
and a few mentions of his early life. And because of that, the world has been at war ever since. It was at war prior and it's been at war ever since. Rome, when Rome entered a new territory, it gave a dictate to the people of the land where they entered. Rome said, submit or die. We're coming. Submit or die. And Rome, when it lost its military power, changed from a military force to a religious narrative. And the narrative continued, submit or die. Instead of political emissaries, now we call them missionaries. And regardless of all this narrative, even what I'm saying, when has God not been God of all people on planet Earth? When has he not unconditionally loved all people on planet Earth and given them exactly what they've asked for? Whether their actions are evil, he's given them exactly what they've asked for. Or whether their actions were good, he's given them exactly what they've asked for. For every action causes a reaction. Every action has a consequence. But God has never not loved all people on planet Earth. For the moment he has not loved, he has ceased to be God. God cannot not love you. Let me say this again. God cannot not love you. God cannot not love you. And Christianity, the form of it today, Western Christianity, with all its denominations, with all its professed righteousness and knowing, having the secret to the love of God, having the secret to truth and everyone else is going to hell, isn't articulating the fullness of the text by which they claim to have the very foundation to stand upon. I've read the Bible cover to cover seven times in 14 years. I read the entire Psalms four times a year. I didn't miss a morning and night reading through Proverbs, every correspondent. I know the scripture. I know what it says and I know what it doesn't say. I know that Joseph, quote unquote, Jesus's father was never mentioned except the beginning of the gospels. He is never mentioned. Jesus, Joseph isn't there when Jesus dies. His brothers aren't around him. This guilt and obligation of family is a false pretense and it only causes guilt and shame. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Well, why? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is unconditional love. And David wrote in Psalms, where can I not go, God, where you are not there? When I go to the depths of hell, you are there. When I go to the highest of heights, you are there. God is all places at all times. And God is love. And God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. And God is a consuming fire. 
For when they wrote God is light in those texts, all their concept of light was, was not electricity, was not battery powered or solar powered light. Their concept of light, when that is written, is fire. And fire is consuming and receiving at all times. I'm sorry, consuming and emitting. It is receiving and emitting constantly at the exact same time at all times. Emitting the goodness, heat, love, light, and receiving fuel. But we have turned what the scriptures say into weapons. You're going to hell. Let me tell you something. When Jesus says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, I have wept and gnashed my teeth here on earth. You can either do it here or you will do it then. But God needs you to face that which you do not want to face. And it is in the tears and it is in the weeping and it is in the gnashing that then we can be healed. For what we are not willing to reveal, we cannot heal. That's why Jesus says, In that day thou shalt give an account of every idle word thou hast spoken. For by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Who condemns? God? No. Your words have condemned you. And God in his love says what you created in your existence, I want to take and clean you from that. So share and speak. In Revelation, it says he wipes every tear away from our eyes. Where? On earth? No, in heaven when we give an account. I want to say something else. Every single person on planet Earth has a different view of heaven. Not one human being, not even the most uh, orthodox, fundamentalist human being, if you got to the very finite details of what we believe, believe the exact same thing. For we all have our own definition of the vernacular that we speak. I say the word story, I mean truth. You hear the word story, you might think fiction. If we're just saying this is the story, we all nod our heads, we are completely missing the point. So, we all believe different things. And Jesus says, In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. What does mansion actually mean? Mansion is a conjunction word. Man, Zion. Man, Zion. In my father's house, there are many man's Zions. If it were not true, I would have told you. Meaning, your view of what heaven looks like is completely different from my view of what heaven looks like. And guess what? Neither of them are really what heaven looks like. How do I know? Because no one has really ever gone to heaven and come back. There have been many beautiful books of people who have seen the afterlife, seen heaven, seen Jesus. Great. That is their man, Zion. You even look like, look at the houses of the Western world. What one person's house is a shack is another human's house on planet earth is a mansion to them. 
Middle America lives in mansions compared to the Amazonian tribes. And even Middle America, what we live in, compared to the Donald Trumps and the Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezos, are minuscule. And even those do not compare to the castles of times past. Mansion is relative. And Jesus says, in my father's house are many man Zions. But we go around and say, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Nod, give a count. Congratulations, you're in. You're going to heaven. You're not going to hell. I mean, really, if you give that proposition, how many people are going to say, yeah, I want to go to hell? Some, if they're honest, I don't know. But I came to the conclusion a long time ago that I don't care if God sends me to hell at the end of my life or not. I love him. I love God with every fiber of my being and he can do with me whatever he so pleases because it is his will, not mine. And I don't care where he sends me. I'm not trying to make a deal with him. I love him. And I was so confused for so long. God is love, but I was continually hurt from that love. Even today, I have so many Christian people attacking me. Even in in my quote unquote family, people that judge me, people that say forgive, people that are so smug in their self-righteousness. If you walked in my shoes, would you be any different than me? And if I walked in yours, would I be any different than you? No. No human being can say that of another human being on planet Earth. I got this message. I want to read it. I got this message while I was leading a men's retreat. And this is the exact reason why I have left Christianity. And I'm going to read this whole thing. Hey, Lucas, I hope you're doing well and leading and loving your beautiful family and God's blessed plan for all of you. I got a hold of a family member of yours and sounds like he's a pretty hurting dude, pretty devastated by divorce and disconnection from his children. He said you won't talk to him. True? If that's true, then I don't understand what you're saying here. If you're healthy, shouldn't you reach out and help him heal? I would think if you can heal yourself from within and help others, shouldn't that include the power to forgive or whatever you need to do to reconcile and talk with this person? I'm feeling his pain, and obviously you're hurting if you won't talk to him. Sorry, but I'm confused. Enlighten me, please. I'm praying for both of your healings. Blessings, this person. And I said, hi. I'm glad you connected with him. However, in no way do I appreciate your message. I have and do 100% forgive him. However, because of his actions and behavior, choose to not allow him into my space. Hurt people hurt people. And if you're in your... And if you're in any way following my messages, which you allude to, then you know that I'm not obligated to heal him or anyone else. I choose to heal myself. And in that healing, I do choose to love him. However, it's not being in relationship with him. All that said, this is my business, not yours. I frankly find it unwarranted to send me this message. I do not need your approval nor agreement with my actions. I wish you all the best. And he came back with, sorry, Lucas. I didn't mean to touch a nerve here. Sounds like you were pretty wounded by him. Of course, I don't know what your relationship was like. I know him as admired and respected. That's how I know him. I apologize if I offended you in any way. I reached out to you because it hurt my heart to hear how much he's hurting. And I read your posts. 
Apparently, he hurt you beyond, beyond reconciliation. I'm not judging you, but... I'm not judging you, but... Let me tell you something. Whatever you say after but negates everything you said before but. I'm not judging you, but... Trying to understand why what you're advocating doesn't seem to be working for you and him. Haven't you told him? Have you told him you've forgiven him? I have three adult children and receive great joy from being in relationship with them, but it takes a lot of grace sometimes. Here's the kicker, and here's what I want you to hear. You're right. You don't need my agreement or approval, but you might check in with Jesus. Pleasing man or ourselves instead of Jesus is an empty road. You're a good man, Lucas. I'll be praying for you, your heart to heal, as well as his blessings. You're right. You don't need my approval or agreement, but you might check in with Jesus. Pleasing man or ourselves instead of Jesus is an empty road. Okay. My response is, and typically I would hide. Typically I'd be afraid. Typically because how I was raised, I would hide and hunker and, and disappear. But I'm practicing stepping in courage. I said his name. I said, I have told him I've forgiven and do forgive him. And yes, I've checked in with Jesus, in fact, daily. That said, there must be three ingredients in order for a relationship to take place. We must know someone, like someone, and trust someone. Knowing and liking is not enough for relationship. There must be trust. Don't believe everything you hear. You can tell a tree by the fruit it bears. My fruit honors my parents by the life I live and the family I've created. God has healed me and empowered me to no longer live under man's guilt, opinions, or judgment. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I'm experiencing that daily because I'm choosing to walk in the presence of the Lord. I could give a laundry list of reasons, but in the end, none of them matter. Thanks for praying, and I ask anything you pray for me, you also pray for yourself. Just as I started this podcast defining what Christianity really is, even though it's not in its reality, it is in its intent, it should have been, I want to talk about the word Jesus. Yeshua, meaning salvation. And what does the word salvation mean? Does anyone know what the word salvation means without defining the word salvation with the word save, which is using a different form of the same word to define itself? When you salivate, when your body just intrinsic, when it you have no control, you salivate because you're in the presence of food or a savor or a scent or smell that sounds so good, your body begins to salivate because you're in the presence of something. Salvation is to be in the presence of love, in the love of God. Salvation literally means in the love of God. And when I was putting my oldest daughter to bed the other day, she was sitting on her bed and we got done reading and praying. And I said, I was teaching her what salvation is. And I said, are you in bed right now? She said, yes. I said, are you? You're on top of your covers. Being in bed is wrapping your covers up and fully being immersed in your bed. That is being in bed. And being saved in salvation is being wrapped and immersed in the presence of love, which is how God created us in the first place. Cain said in the Bible, my punishment is greater than I can bear because you have driven me from 
your presence. The greatest punishment that Cain got was driven from the presence of God. That's what it means. In love, Jesus in love, Christ in freedom, bringing freedom. Love brings freedom. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You cannot know the truth apart from love. Why? Because no one will ever tell the truth when there's judgment, when there's shame, when there's guilt. We just bury it down deeper and then we put the mask up and smile. Hey, everything's okay here. Nothing to see. While the suicide rate's higher than it's ever been, while the opioid epidemic is higher than it's ever been, while people don't even get married, the world is broken. But we smile and say, nothing to see here. God bless you. Do you forgive? And let me talk about the word forgiveness. Forgive. Ahava, the word love means to give. Ahava in Hebrew means to give. To give the highest good of someone else. That is love. Forgiveness does not mean acceptance of actions. That is never the intent of the word, but it is what abusers have used the word as to make you disconnect from your own intellect and conscience. Do you accept what was done to you, victim? And the victim has no choice but to say what? Yes, because if you don't, guess what? The victimizer, the abuser will only make it worse for you. But that is not what the word forgive means. It is not what it's ever meant. To forgive means to love as if it never happened. It does not mean to disconnect from consequence. It means to simply love as if it never happens. To free yourself, to not hold on to that self. I forgive you as I love you as if it never happened. And because I know you and I don't trust you, we do not have relationship. The Bible does not say have relationship with every human being you ever come in contact with. The Bible does not say make reconciliation with every human being you come in contact with. The Bible simply says, bless and do not curse. I bless you on your path. May you find what you are looking for. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, temperance, meekness. Against such, there is no law. You cannot condemn love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentle faith, temperance, meekness. There's nothing to condemn it. But the manipulation, the control, the smugness, the, the do you believe these things? Raise your hand. Congratulations. You're part of this club. And then guess what? You have to be perfect and holy. Oh, but no one's perfect and holy. Wait, what is the message again? What is the message? If you read Revelation, it says only one noun is tormented in the lake of fire for eternity. Only one noun, that mean, and that being the devil. The devil is in torments for eternity in the lake of fire. Now, devil means accuser. What would torment an accuser for eternity if there's no one to torment? A lake has an inlet and an outlet, always whether it be of stream or evaporation. And God is fire. God is a consuming fire. And that lake is God himself, bringing people in to purify them. For death and hell are cast into the lake of fire and purified. 
I don't care if you think this is sacrilegious, blasphemous, whatever. It's literally what it says. And I am a literalist when it comes to scripture. And that is not to deny that there are good things that happen in it. However, the majority of it is used as a weapon. Fall in line, play the game, or we will come after you. But that is not the narrative of God. That is not the narrative of scripture. That is not the narrative of the Bible. I had some Christian people write when I, I, I am an absolute opponent completely of striking children, hitting children. I do not believe in it. I think it is the complete antithetical origin of our skewed view of unconditional love is when parents, the perp, the, the, epitomate, uh, the um, embodiment of what unconditional love should be to the most innocent form of life on planet earth, a child, when we strike them, even if your intention is good, when you strike that children, that child, that child disassociates a little bit, that child then views love is not safe. And that wasn't love. Because love gives the highest good. Now you can justify something and say, well, I'm striking that child. No, that's just based in fear. What? What? What What are they going to do? What? Is God not in love with the drug addict, the poor, the homeless, the widow, the orphan? Is God not absolutely in love with them? Does God not absolutely enrapture them to whatever form, degree they are willing to receive that love? Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. Why? Because God wants to show humanity it's not what you do of achievement that is how you're loved. It is simply by your beingness alive is how you're loved. But I had some Christians write when I wrote this post, I I don't believe in spanking. And they wrote Proverbs? Question mark? That's all they wrote. And I didn't respond But really, I could write Leviticus, question mark. Let's go stone people right now. If you really want to be what you you think is literal of scripture, let's go stone people right now. I'll see you in prison. I'll see you in jail. Oh, wait, that doesn't align because that's not socially acceptable. Yeah, because it's seen publicly. But that which is not seen publicly, that which is done in the home, that which is done in secret, that which is done in private, that which has no accountability because a child cannot hold a parent accountable is completely okay. It is so wrong There's not even a literal backing of this. Do you know that there's not one verse in the Bible that ever talks about original sin? That that whole doctrine does not exist. That whole doctrine is based on one verse when David wrote in Psalms, in iniquity did my mother conceive me. Now David's mother is never mentioned in the Bible. In fact, I believe David's mother was a harlot. In fact, I believe that's why David wasn't counted with the other brothers. Yes, he was Jesse's son, but he was the son of not the wife of Jesse. That's what I believe. All I know is he wasn't counted with the brethren and he says, in iniquity did my mother conceive me. And that is where the doctrine of original sin has come from. And you know what that doctrine does? It strips away your nice responsibility. If that we just were born to die and born condemned, then what the hell is the point? 
But that's not what we were born into. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yes, not one human has ever not sinned, which means to miss the mark. Every person has missed the mark. Certainly, I am not even on this podcast saying that I have not missed the mark. We've all missed the mark. I have missed the mark. And I know I chose to miss the mark. I take responsibility for my missed mark. And when we believe, when humankind believes this doctrine of original sin, it abdicates our responsibility. This is just the way I am. I am victim. Come save me. And Jesus said, greater things than I have done, you will do. Well, where are these things? Where are the liberators of souls? Where is the great awakening again? Where's the third great awakening? Where is it? Is it in the churches? Your numbers are declining. Now, is that Satan? Is that the world? Is that the Antichrist message? I think the Antichrist message is keeping people in bondage in the name of Christ. Your anti-freedom message, anti-liberty message. Jesus didn't qualify when he said, you're the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. There's no qualification to that. He simply starts that as the premise to his message in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. And someone could say, yes, it's all conditional. Yes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If, sure, because deal with it now. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yes, get it out of your heart. I don't care if you're Christian, non-Christian, Jewish, Muslim, atheist, agnostic, Satanist, Hindu, Buddhist. It doesn't matter. You are all human beings. And human beings carry in their heart the trauma, the hurt. And until we open up, release it all, speak it all, and having the courage to actually speak it forth, we will remain in bondage and judgment, shackles of guilt and shame. We are not liberated, then we cannot liberate another. And there are millions of things I feel like I could share of why and to justify, but guess what? I don't have to justify anything and neither do you. But you do need to speak that which is true. You need to share. You need to stop trying to get man's approval, someone at church's approval, the priest's approval, the pastor's approval, someone's approval. You don't need anyone's approval. You just need to know, are you walking in love or are you not walking in love? And if your love is conditional, it's not love. Love has never been conditional because love always loves love always. Love gives always. When love stops giving, it's never been love. God is beyond your point of death. He is beyond your point of heaven. He is beyond your point of existence. He is beyond your point of conception or even the ability to conceive that which is because God is beyond all that is. He's beyond your social structure, your family structure, your own personal structure you've built. He is beyond all of that. Christianity has become a weapon Or it's become so, it's a social club and it's become so soft and powerless 
It's become the Laodicean church that says, we're rich, we have need of nothing. And Jesus says, you are wretched, poor, miserable, blind, and naked, unless thou repent, I will spew you out of my mouth. I wish you were hot or cold. Take a stand. But this middle of the road, trying to be nice, niceness is not love. Niceness is not being kind. Even Paul said, do I become your enemy because I've told you the truth? Do I love God? I love God with every fiber of my being. I don't care where he sends me. I love him and I will always love him and I've always loved him. Genesis to Malachi, I absolutely love it. Matthew to Revelation, I love it. And I don't need man's approval and I don't need a social order and I don't need some form of social club. I'm standing in my own vulnerability, the power and the courage to experience love in its purest form. Look what your judgment is creating in this world, my friends. More isolation. Eight out of 10 suicides are men. Eight out of 10 people who will take their own life this year are men. Because men, men are carrying the shame and then the facade, the ego, which is just protecting their innocent child, their innocent self, their soul. The ego is so big that some men are just living in ego. They don't even recall the innocence of themselves. They have no concept of that which was before the pain, the sexual abuse, the molestation, the rapings, the beatings, the verbal beatings, the verbal lashings, the psychological torture, the spiritual torture, the verbal torture. Every narcissist, I believe, was sexually abused. And their unwillingness and un, unwillingness to admit it makes them some of the most dangerous forms of humans walking the planet. Because in their ego, they have learned to get validated. We all get validated from our ego. Know this. We all get val- People like our masks or we wouldn't wear them. We would change it to something else. So know this, that people like our masks. But the narcissist believes they are their mask. That is a incredibly dangerous place because it actually denies the very existence of God creating them in his own image, which is the image of love, which is the image of goodness, which is the image of receiving love. Our why I lead men's retreats called vulnerable heroes is teaching them vulnerability is having the courage to receive. And when that receiving component, when we got hurt sexually, physically, verbally, whatever it was, we closed it off. Then we've always tried to heal this gaping wide black void that we have inside ourselves by taking. So you, we must have the courage to receive again, have the courage to be open again, have the courage to speak forth love and receive the love of God so that we can be a hero to regain our voice. For our voice is the most powerful asset that we have. Not your body, not how tough you are, not your muscles, not what you carry externally. None of that is as powerful as your voice of articulation. God said, 
and it was. And what you say can be again when you speak in love. The greatest dance on earth is to co-create with God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The word is supreme. Not your view, not when someone says, have you talked to Jesus? Literally, the Bible doesn't even say talk to Jesus. Literally, there is not a verse that says talk to Jesus. Jesus says, when you pray, pray our father, which art in heaven. Because we have an orphan spirit in this world. We have orphans because people are broken in their view of love from the parents. And nowhere in the Bible does it say stay in relationship with your parents. What it says is honor your parents by the life that you live. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. Forgive. God, forgive me as if it's never happened. I receive that love as if it's never happened. And I love others as if it's never happened. And lead us not into temptation. We think temptation to sin. We think, oh, lead me not into pornography and swearing and, and all these things. Only hurt people will be craving things to satiate that. It's lead us not into things which aren't true, which aren't good, which aren't love. Lead us not into things which aren't loving and deliver us from evil. The devil, the word devil means accuser. Evil is the, the fruit of accusation and deliver us from accusations and, and bondage and guilt and shame and darkness, which aren't even things. Darkness is not a thing. It is an avoid. It is an absence of light. Darkness exists in the absence of light. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. So you get to choose that which is good and bring light into where there is darkness. I don't want to get into a scriptural battle with anyone I know what the scripture says, and I literally believe it. I'm proposing that the whole form of Christianity is not scriptural. Jesus isn't a talisman. He's not magic. You don't just wave Jesus around and things happen. In that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father, that Jesus is Lord. Guess what? In love is supreme. Lord means supreme. There is nothing above Lord. In love is supreme. You will give an account someday that in love was the most supreme. That's why, look, two-thirds of the New Testament were written by a man who had a vision of Jesus. You never encountered him physically. I want you to understand what you truly believe is someone's account of, an, of a vision. If you're going to be literal, be literal. What you believe in is an account of someone's writing down a vision they had. That even he said no one else experienced it. 
and he writes it down, it changes his life, and he articulates that message. To the Jew, it became a Jew. To the Gentile, it became a Gentile, that it may win some to the Lord, to the supreme knowledge of God is love. God is showing up to people all around the world in visions. And just because they can't articulate to you the English narrative that you hold, don't think God isn't present in their lives right now, showing up to them right now. Stop judging people. Let God be God, the supreme judge of all in his love, bringing people to him. We love him because he first loved us. Let God love people and you love people as well. Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second, like it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We are so afraid. Anything that is fear is not of love for perfect love casts out all, say it, fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Unconditional love, which is perfect love, casts out all fear. I am not God. You are not God. But what we co-create with God becomes reality. And you cannot give by that which you do not have. So if you have pain inside you, you give pain outside you. But if you have love inside you, you give love outside you. And love gives the highest good to another. I'm going to say this. For those of you listening who feel trapped in a relationship if you are stuck, if you feel stuck, first of all, no, you're not alone. Second of all, no, if you feel stuck, that's not a freedom. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. The grasped hand is not love. This is love. Come and go as you please. I always will be here. I will always be there. I will be wherever you are. God is everywhere we are. Where can we go that he is not? He is always there. And you're always loved. And when you step out of that form of spiritual abuse, and abuse is, I've defined this before in a podcast, someone having or an institution having power and asserting that power over another who is weaker and without power in a form of intimidation, threat, or violence. That is abuse. Intimidation, threat. You won't, if you, you're going to go to hell. Okay, then I go. You don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it looks like. I do know it was cast in the lake of fire. Let it all go. You can tell a tree by the fruit it bears, whether that fruit be good or whether that fruit be evil. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that is God. He doesn't say, I'm God. He says, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that is God. God is good. And every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of 
light. Not darkness, light. And light reveals, light brings freedom. Sunlight is the greatest disinfectant on planet Earth. So you walk out of that system. You're not alone. You don't have to stay trapped. And for those listening that have the fear, people are going to leave. That's not love. If you truly love them, you would let them go. If you truly love them, you would let them be. If you truly love them, you would watch God be God of their lives and trust that. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not into thine own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Depart, depart from accusation. Depart from shaming others. Depart from guilting others. Depart from keeping others in shame and bondage and guilt. It is not of God. And if you continue to do it, at least have the courage to say it is of your own volition and own purpose and not dragging the most holy name on earth through your pain. And then abdicating your own responsibility by saying, he wants me to do it. No, you wanted to do it. That's why you did it. Because none of us have ever done anything on planet earth that we didn't want to do. Even when the things were most disturbing and disgusting, because we wanted to stay safe at that time. We wanted to be safe. And God knows this. God does not judge our desire for safety. But he also says that, uh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and they are safe. They run into his name. They run into him. And guess what? How do you do that? Do you physically go into God? No, you go into your mind. You, you go into the place that you cannot even articulate. It is outside your body. And most people who have had out-of-body experiences know the love of God most. Every time I was abused, I was with God. My body might've been abused, but my soul was never touched by the hand of man. The words of man, the intent of man, the actions of man, my soul is with God because my soul is of the breath of God. Neshama, man, God breathed into man and man became a living soul. And what is God's will always belong to God. Give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and give unto God that which is God's. Let people go. Let people be. Walk in love. Love people. Love people. Love people. The first fruit of love. Jesus said they shall know you by your Love. They shall know you by your love. They will know you by your articulation, judgments, or opinions. They'll know you by your love. And guess what? They will know you by how you make them feel. This is the message I wanted to give today. It's been a long time coming. And I'm thankful that I could give it, regardless of what you think of it. Agree with it or not, it's okay. This really, this one was for me. And for the people that want to judge, okay. I, I reject it. I reject your judgment. I reject fear. I receive love. I reject fear. 
I receive love. I receive the love of God. I receive the love of self. I receive love in every gene, cell, fiber, chromosome of my body. I receive love. And I invite love in. And I invite you to invite love in as well. There's nothing that you've done that cannot be forgiven. There's nothing that you that's been done to you that you cannot forgive. And that is completely separate from being in relationship. Our primary relationship is between us and God, period. That's it. That's all. Nothing else. Trust in the Lord. A relationship must have three components. You must know someone, like someone, and trust someone. You can know someone and not like them, and you can know and like them and not trust them. Until trust is there, there is no relationship. The Bible calls us into a relationship with the Most High God. Not with a form, not with a function, not with a denomination, not with an opinion, not with an articulation, not with family, not with this narration that never is, can be found in the scriptures, but with God himself. Trust in him. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn on you. It's just simply our choice to cling and hold tightly, hold dear Hold near that which is dear. So I bless you all with the highest blessing to be who you were intended to be from the very beginning. That you wake up from the darkness, that you wake up from the shadows, that you wake up from the shame, that you wake up from the confusion, that you wake up from the forms of control and you simply experience the freedom that love brings when you feel safe enough to share your truths. My name's Lucas Mack. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you on the next episode.